Well, greetings and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm Steve Fredland. I'm your host for the for the podcast, and I want to uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback that you guys are giving. It's fantastic. In this episode, I sit down with World Series of Poker bracelet winner John Redding, and we talk a little bit about his background, his experiences, and also a little bit of poker strategy as we get into some of the concepts uh, that he uh, he prioritizes during his play. Um, I want to also give a quick shout out to the Free Poker Network, uh, the ability to play in bars for free and work on your game and ultimately work your way through the bar, the region, the state, and even nationals to play in the World Series of Poker is a pretty cool concept and I want to invite you all to check that out. Uh, free games, way to work on your game, way to meet some great people, so check that out as well. And also just a quick plug for the All In For Africa 6. Uh, this is a charity poker tournament that benefits the Against Malaria Foundation it's something affiliated with the nonprofit that I've been running since 2009. I've had a chance to go to Rwanda four times as part of this. We've raised about $1.6 million in our seven years, including about $50,000 from the poker community through the All In For Africa effort. So I want to invite you to check that out. April 1st, Canterbury Park. All of the details are on the Canterbury Park website. Uh, but we've got uh, about 50% of the money that comes in goes to charity, 50% goes to the prize pool. But we also have at least 40 bounties that we'll be playing, and that boosts up the prize pool. And in the past, it's actually been an overlay. So we'll have bounties with prizes that range across the board, including you know some as much as $200 cash or more. So it's a pretty cool tournament, super fun time. Had a lot of people say that's the, their favorite tournament of the year. Uh, we run it twice a year. We do it in the uh, spring at Canterbury Park and in the fall at Running Aces. So good time. So if you have any questions on that, check out the Canterbury Park website, get a hold of me, uh, and we can uh, answer any questions that you might have. So with that, I want to invite you to enjoy the conversation that I recently had with World Series of Poker bracelet winner, John Redding. All right. Well, it is my pleasure to be sitting here in the, with John Redding. Uh, John, uh, say hi to the folks. Hi, everybody. <laughs> they couldn't see you wave, but I'm sure they felt it oh, yeah. in, in their I, hearts. <laughs> I, I tried to put that out there just to make everybody feel welcome. Nice. Well, appreciate you taking the time to, to do this deal. I know you're a busy guy. you got a lot going on, but uh, you carved out some time for us, and appreciate no that. You know, It's not very often I get to sit down with the World Series of Poker bracelet winner and talk poker. Actually, never. So, <laughs> no problem. So anyway, so th- so thanks for that. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about you know where we're trying to go with this thing, but I just want to start with, all right. So you, you're a poker player. That's mm-hmm. what we. That's how people know you. That aren't your friends and relatives. You're just a guy that plays poker and you've had some success. But sure. tell us a little bit. Like, what do you play? Like, how often do you play? What are the binds that you play? Like, where is your niche? You know, cash tournaments, just hold them. Um. So. I mean, should I start like where I kind of started off? Sure, tell I, us, tell us your story if you'd like. Sure, I will. I will explain the story then. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, early on, I really didn't have too much uh, support. I actually had the exact opposite kind of people try to get me to keep stopping for a very long time. But uh, so, high school kind of started up playing free rolls online. Um, got interested when I watched the WSOP and WPT online. It's like, hey, it's a bunch of college kids doing well. Sweet. <laughs> All right, let's let's. Try it out, see if it works. I mean, so. Uh, and how far ago was that for you? When when was that? Like, what years are we talking about? Did you um, start it? That was about when I was fourteen, so two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay. okay. Right in there. So right, actually, when the online boom was uh, starting, so kind of got lucky there. But um, I was not eighteen yet, so I was not playing with real money. 
that I deposited. <laughs> I mean, I play the free rolls and make a little money, and then okay. uh, run up to total hundred and lose it all. And it was a safe way to learn because I was never used my own money. Cool. Um, but I did that till I was about uh, eighteen, and then deposited some money and uh, did all right. Uh, first big score was six thousand when I was. Uh, 18 got seventh in the Sunday Second Chance or whatever on Poker Stars, and that was <coughs> crazy to me then because I was like, "Oh, yeah. holy crap! I have uh, two and a half times all the money I ever had in my entire life." <laughs> right. And right. then, uh, of course, about two months later, it was all gone because I was a kid and not that smart with it, and it wasn't right. as that much at that time either. Um, and then uh, <laughs> worked McDonald's for the summer. To yep. get that money back, and then worked at the library after that to get that money back, and hmm. got it all back. So that was, that was actually the only time I've ever been in debt in my life. I was in debt two hundred fifteen dollars on a credit card okay. or whatever, and it's like after that, I was like, nope, never again. Hmm. So this was a great lesson to learn very yeah, early on, for sure. And then I uh, went to college, uh, played with some friends, and like five dollar, like little sit and go kind of things too, and was doing well in them. It's like all right, well, that was still online, or that now that was live. That was live. So that was sort of your first. That was my first experience with live, yeah. but it, I mean, that was very mild. Sure. I, I didn't even play live too much until 2011 uh, okay. summer, actually. My first, my first ever live poker tournament was, uh, it, this was not a smart choice. I don't recommend <laughs> it. Uh, it was the LA, um, uh, LA Poker Classic WPT main event. Actually. No way. That was your yeah. first live tournament? Yeah. I mean, I played satellite beforehand, <laughs> but I, my plan was to go play that to begin with because I just had a nice little tournament score or whatever right. in January. But, yeah, I mean, so technically second, I guess. I played a satellite, too, so I mean, okay. that was nice. But What was the buy-in for that? Satellite was 1100 Satellite uh, was 1100 The main yeah, event was... the main event was $10,000. Nice. So, yeah. Go big or go home, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, was, it wasn't smart. I, I didn't do that well. But, okay, I mean, so I, I made it to the very end of day one. But. So if you weren't in debt, there must have been some significant scores ahead of time. Or yeah. Either I, big scores or consistent cashing or something. Yeah, I had a... Three big scores online, actually, um, fifty-eight thousand one hundred five and one seventy-six. So okay, just um, small little scores. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, no, no. I'm. I mean, yeah. Uh, that's the nature of tournament poker. I mean, it's gonna be right, for not sure. gonna do well and then have a big one, not do well and have. A big so, were you one. pretty much a, a winning player? Would you say like right from the get-go with online tournaments, or you know, obviously you, you made money, and then you blew it so to speak but yeah. like, that's not in poker I mean were you kind of a generally always a winning player did you just kind of get it naturally it was it was very comfortable to me I loved games I love mind games I love games where you're constantly challenging yourself and constantly adapting yeah. constantly uh, like there's never going to be stagnancy you're always going to learn something new everybody's going to have their own adaptive style to it and you're going to have to play back at those tendencies and I was always very very good at reading people understanding people not even have to see a person to really mm -hmm. know how to understand them. Just by actually, just by playing lots and lots online, um, I could just tell by betting patterns how much time was taken, uh, how big bet sizes were, um, how often they raised somebody, any particular person. I could get right in the middle of them battling somebody else and okay. know what this uh, particular individual was doing. Because at first, like, I was good at seeing situations and patterns. So um, mm -hmm. I was just, I don't know. Are you, are you generally, uh, because you're a game guy, because you kind of got this, is it, mm -hmm. do you credit logic, are you analytical, what sort of, or is it just, is it more psychological, or what? It's definitely psychological. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say 
yeah, there's definitely some analytical stuff involved too, but I'm actually generally more of an emotional person. Okay. I, I don't uh, express it as much outwardly, but inwardly, I'm definitely much okay. more emotional. So you can connect with people on that level and yeah. kind of understand, but then also you said you enjoy games, you've got a history of enjoying games, so yeah, obviously I mean, there's analytics and logic sort of embedded in that. Well, I did chess for a while growing up too, okay. so I mean, that was... That was fun. Got a few, yeah, like minor trophies and stuff. Of course, you like did. nothing, <laughs> nothing big. No, no, no. really, but really cool. nothing yeah. big. I mean, the kind of like participation trophies. I don't know. Maybe there's like forty people or something. But that was cool. That's when cool. One yeah, of those, I mean, for sure. Awesome. Well, it gives just, you confidence uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, to a point. Um, I mean, I struggled with confidence for a very, very long time. Poker's actually the mm. first thing that really gave me confidence. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I, uh, I mean. I grew up in an environment where it was uh, very perfectionist, very do the best you possibly always can, but Mm -hmm. always going to critique something you're doing. Never take a job. No, this is something where you could have worked on. And it makes you resilient. It makes you really good at bouncing back from adversity. So grit. Such as resiliency. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And grit. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So so you had some big online caches. You decided to go to the L.A the LA Poker yeah. Classic, uh, and then it was that sort of once you got into that the bigger live tournament situation was that sort of you just didn't look back. Or? No, no. Okay. What, what I learned, I mean, like I said, this was, this was a stupid choice. I mean, I uh, I lost lost like the majority of it again uh, in a couple like a year and a half or so. I mean, okay, I, I just played bigger events. Playing big but, events. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, I was traveling, learning how to travel well, learning yep. how to. Uh, manage expenses for food and um, living and traveling. So you had dropped out of college at this point, or did you finished college, or still doing both? No, I or, was doing both. Um, which is what? Where did you go to school, or what were you studying? I went or? to Luther College, actually. Studying nursing. Decorah, Iowa. Yeah. Sure. Yep, yep. Okay. I was doing uh, nursing for three years. Um, that My parents kind of pushed me along that route. Okay. I never had any passion for it whatsoever. Mm. But, but it was a good, solid job. It, well, right. I mean, that was the idea behind it. it. Yeah, 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 it was going to be a good, safe job. Not like poker. <laughs> no. Right, okay. <laughs> no, poker is not exactly the, the safe job. But honestly, in this, in this environment we're living in, there's not really a safe job anymore. And yep. you just you can't think of the world that way. you got to right. constantly try to be innovative. But no, so I was doing the rotations, actually, my second year of nursing, and realized I really don't like the job. And I really did not like the biology classes I was taking. It's like my least favorite type of schoolwork was rote memorization, regurgitation. Yeah. It, it's just not me. I need to be hands-on okay. and visual learner. I mean, it helps some, to some extent with books and learning through books. But at the same time, like, if it's just a bunch of random facts. I have no interest in it, so I'm just not going to remember yeah. it. And yeah. I don't know. It was nice to kind of um, get out of that program and the minimalist like loss type of way possible. Then I took a year off, did a lot of self exploration. That's uh, that was 2010. So then come okay. 2011 January was when I had my big tournament score by taking a uh, break from poker for about eight months. So I just I've also kind of seen how I always like during transitions I've taken breaks from poker because I've never again um, the environment is both my parents were uh doctors so they uh oh, okay yeah so they yep. uh uh but i was never spoiled in that regard too which is which was good i'm glad i learned how to be self-resilient yeah but at the same time it was very very fortunate that like i didn't have to worry about food and clothing Correct. and whatnot mm-hmm. but for anything that i wanted to do i had to go find a way to make my own money to pursue what my goals would be like they would pay to for me to go to 
school, which is a beautiful, beautiful right. thing, especially for undergrad. So that was that was very special, actually. But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, I was. It, it's good at the same time. But at other times, it's like you have no real control over what you're doing in that sense where your life's already planned out for you. Right. For literally until you're like 65, maybe, and mm -hmm. you retire from whatever <laughs> job you're doing. And that was just never going to be the way I wanted to live, okay. where I knew what I was doing every single day for the next 40 years. You knew that just life. wasn't you. That just didn't line was, up with it who was, you were. It wasn't me. But you're more I of a free to, spirit, entrepreneurial, creative, innovator, yeah, whatever. Just, yeah, yeah, and okay. I just wanted to be able to try to do like my own kind of exploring. So yep. like I said, I, I actually, I mean, I only had $3,000, $3,500 whatever saved up for the first 17 years of my life. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I had to work with. And I mean, worked out, but then I lost it all. So I had to find a way to uh, earn it back. So I did the two jobs at McDonald's yep. and um, Ross Public Library. And actually over the summer, I had an internship at uh, Mayo Clinic where I was working um, okay. gastroesophageal uh, reflux team. That's when I was still in the nursing program too. So, um, I don't know, it's been a chaotic life, definitely. <laughs> but uh, after, sorry, going back to the, the live part, so I was not making smart choices live, but I also didn't know what all these other expenses were that I was now paying, and uh, lost down to almost nothing again, so I started playing cash live for a while, and that's what um, started to give me, make, give me a better feel for live poker in general. Okay. And then uh, went through that for two years or whatever, um, did well at the one two two five games or whatever down at Diamond Joe's and Canterbury and stuff like that. So got some back and then um, I also took a job with um, Access to Employment where you work in adults with disabilities yeah. in 2014. So did that for a year, but then government uh, funding got cut in half, so right. the company went under. So and literally right at that time where I was transitioning to a new position. Um, with my boss, like she gave me a good recommendation over there, so I kind of bypassed the interview process, which was mm -hmm. really cool or whatever. And <laughs> right. I was doing the, in the orientation. Uh, there was a fine print on a piece of paper that she showed me where if you have three more speeding tickets in a three-year period, I'm sorry, oh, our insurance can't cover you. So I talked to her back and forth yeah. about a week, and it's like, you know what, this, I guess it's not going to work out. I tried whatever. And that's uh, when the MSPT score happened uh, okay. to get fifth or whatever yep. down at uh, Tama, and then nice MSPT run final tables there and then 2015 early on um I graduated college uh already with a degree in psychology okay. um that's so I took the year off and went back and did psychology for two years I originally did economics with it but then I was like yeah I'm just gonna do psychology so just focus on psychology um for the last year uh graduated with that uh and then I was in kind of a transition period because now this job shut down but uh poker is starting to do well again it's like all right cool so 2015, um, from like January to April, I mean, I was just traveling around. I was driving. Mm -hmm. I went from one coast to the other coast. So I went from Florida all the way back to California and then also over to New Jersey. So just absolutely everywhere. Just following, to following the tournament? Or? Yeah, just following tournament series yeah. around. Any particular series that you were working on or just sort of what, what worked out with your schedule and what was kind available? Of work, worked out with my schedule. Yeah. Okay. I, had, um, I mean, I had a... I was living with some friends or whatever up in uh, Twin Cities at the time, but I mean, I had a little broom covered room, so I was like, whatever, just leave some stuff there. I, sure. I don't care about being back, and um, I, I was much more happy on the road. So, uh, moved around, uh, did the tournaments at Borgata, um, Parks, um, St. Louis, 
um, the MSPTs, um, did the, I don't remember if I went over to, um, no, I think it went over to California after I did Vegas that summer, but like the long story short, like yeah. I just kind of did, did, did it all. And, and Vegas, um, the summer of 15, wasn't so bad. No, the summer of 15 was very good. This is Vegas. what we're talking about. We're, this is the year we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. so you were prepared for Vegas, given yeah. all this travel, given all the tournaments. Yeah. I mean, but, um, I mean, I go down to Vegas <laughs> going, like, I mean, I was planning on grinding some other types of tournaments, not what I ended up uh, grinding, because okay. my bankroll is much different at that time, too. So you're so just sort of constantly low. adjusting to your bankroll. Yeah. What can I afford? Which is good you learned that debt lesson early right it <laughs> sounded like and you're sort of all right what can i afford to play was that the, the mentality sure sure but i mean okay. I, I have to constantly get better at that too i mm -hmm. i'm the one that always likes to challenge myself and always likes to play higher like because sure. I mean, my end goal um summer was amazing 2015 was amazing yeah personally it just never felt like a climactic year really me. yeah so let's just i and it was awesome. Like it really. So this was. is not a, this is not a climactic summer. When I look at mm -hmm. Hendon Mob, and I and I don't know if I did my math right, but I look at I counted six caches, World Series of Poker caches. That's probably, probably about right, including uh, World Series of Poker main, uh, event number six, thousand dollar turbo, which mm -hmm. got you your your bracelet. For, I mean, you got to run for, well to for, get that one though. Well, too. sure, of course, <laughs> but two hundred fifty-two thousand dollars there in a bracelet. Sure. Uh, then the next month you're still there. Little one for one drop. Mm -hmm. Event sixty one, eleven hundred dollar buying basically. I see a fourth place for about two hundred thirteen k as part of the six caches. So, so you got six caches. You got two big you know monster mm -hmm. scores. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is not a climactic summer for John Redding. You're you're looking at that going nice summer. Oh, oh, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> but of on that the summer. journey to something else. Yeah. So what what is what is climactic for you then? I mean, the rest, for, I mean, for those of us who are, say that? <laughs> well, I don't know if you want to speak it out loud, but, you know, I mean, for those of us who are in this world, I mean, that's sort of, you're, you're operating in a different world and we recognize that, but, you know, for those of us sure. that are playing the, you know, the, the bar poker, the $30, the $70, oh, and no, of, course. of course you appreciate that, but we're looking Definitely. at like, man, if I could cash a, an MSPT, you know, that's sure. awesome. You know, so, so what does it look like for you? Do you have a, I mean, is there a vision of a specific thing or is it yeah. just, you'll know it when you, when you get it? I mean, there's the one tournament I always have a dream for, and who knows if that's ever going to happen. But how how I see it is to always dream big, because sure. no matter what, then you're going, you're striving towards something, even if you don't right. get it. You're always as long as you're trying not, to get it. As long as you're not always disappointed in yourself. Yeah, you know, as long as you can still gr have gratitude along the way. Correct. Okay. No, I'm very happy for where I am right so now. I'm, I'm very happy for this. Right. I have that's awesome. Awesome life right now. So I'm, I'm assuming that we're talking World Series Poker main event, but maybe something else. What's what's your um. The main event. Of course. Actually. Okay, okay. That's yeah. got to be it, no, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's everybody. you're saying, that's the Super Bowl. It's got to be. It's, the everybody, it's everybody's. I mean, that's I mean, that's it. And then, I mean, that's actually, that's the biggest one. And is it to knows? win it? Is it November 9 it? What's the... Is it, win it. The dream is win it. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, so I had dreams early on, too, because, I mean, I was the kid. And when I started playing online, I mean, anything that was big was huge for me. So my dream at first was winning the Sunday Million. And okay. That happened. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think that would happen, but it, it did. Yeah, and then um, I mean, which is what? And, what was the score on that deal? Uh, the Sunday Million was one hundred seventy-six thousand. Is that the one that kind of put you on the map? I mean, so to speak, for people to start going, "Oh, that's John Redding." Um, Even though that I was the I, one where I finally felt personally that okay, at least I can do like I'm. I'm. You're not good at this. You're not overmatched in a yeah. sense of. Well, like the first two big scores, the fifty-eight and the one hundred five, okay. it was just like. 
I mean, everybody can hit a tournament score or whatever. Okay. I mean, I might have just ran good or whatever. The, when it was the third the third one, the third big one, okay. that was the one where it's like... This is uh, oh, for okay. real. I mean, that's, that's cool. So okay. some, there's something gotcha. special here, at least. Okay. But, I mean, I still have a lot, a lot of work to do. Sure. So. Well, and I'd love to transition to some of that. I mean, you can finish your story here, but I want to get into... Yeah. All right, how, how are you getting there? What can people do to kind of get there? But, okay, so 15 was the World Series of Poker huge summer. Sure. And now for the last couple of years, like, what, what are you playing now, like, on a regular basis? So, right now, I'm just... I have so many different pro like things going on. So I'm, I know you do, I'm yeah. Kind of, yeah. Fantasy stuff. Well, the fantasy stuff, and I'm also in grad school for counseling psychology right now. So I mean, it's just. Um, so from a Texas Hold'em perspective, what do you what do you got going <laughs> in in general? I know it probably ebbs and flows a little bit. But no, no. How much um, are you playing? I mean, not I'm much. not actually playing that much right now. You're playing so, tonight, I know that. Playing tonight, <laughs> but, but that's a, okay. <laughs> I am, but I mean, I like I have a lot of projects for classes. Um, trying to stay healthy um, yeah. in a serious relationship, so got to spend time with her. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of balancing things right now. And poker has taken a little bit of a side yeah. turn in terms of playing like a ton, but instead of playing a ton, I'm studying a ton because I'm trying to do bankroll management. Because, again, I'll, I'll admit I wasn't great again yeah. after last summer. I just I always want to try to force myself to be better. But if it if it like doesn't work out and I get plummeted back again, I'm never gonna leave myself with like no way of working right. my way back up, and I'm never gonna put myself in a bad position. I just like okay, well now time to rebuild again. So so when you talk about studying, are we talking about just you know generally so trying changed. to get better, or are you looking at your game and saying, well, there's a few things that I just know I need to improve on, so I'm gonna study these specific things, or is it more you know broad general? Strategic things. So there's well, there's a few things. So I mean, my studying has changed throughout the years too. So I played this for 13 years or whatever now. Um, at first, what I did to study was I watched all the videos. Like I'd watch people play the big high stakes cash games or watch the TV or whatever. And what I do is I put my hand over the screen yeah. where the yep. cards were and just try to guess of what the heck they're doing. So hand ranging, hand basically. Um, but or... I never was like the hand, like uh, look. I was not a typical online person like grinder or whatever to begin with i never used the heads up display i never look at all these numbers and trackers and stuff i never multi-table i mm -hmm. focus on one or two tables at a time and then you were able to see a lot more minuscule details by doing that you weren't just going by strictly mathematical numbers of hey here 60 percent of the time you're going to be good whereas 40 percent right. of the time you're not going to be good here 60 percent of the time this move's going to work 40 percent of the time it's not and you're focusing on one table all the time you're going to see the different dynamics that people develop against other players. Yeah, that could be based on the numbers too, but you're going to see even little finer tuned details. I, I don't know. It just so that's what that sounds like, out for me. I interviewed Joe Bernard, and that was sort of his idea too. Is he wasn't a big multi-tabler guy. He was the same sort of pay attention to details. Yeah, and that's what it sounds like. You're similar there. Yeah. So you're you're covering the hand, but then you're watching all the details, trying no. to figure out what is he what is he doing here. No or... one play that I can just I, I think of, and I always think back to it because it was just like here's the perfect example of it. Um, so it's a six-handed tournament. It's it's the the one and five score or whatever. It was the F tops um, on full tilt, and there's this guy to my immediate right, and I know he's or no, he's two to my right actually, and I know he's super aggressive. He loves to three bet, and he three bets all the day and time. Mm -hmm. And just watching him do this, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm I I get this. I'm looking get for this. your spot. I'm gonna look for my spot. So what happened is, um, one of think. So it was like a three flush board or whatever, um, and I checked 
I was first to act or whatever. And then he checked in position. He'd raised. I think he was either the button or cut off or something where he's going to have position the rest of the hand. So your middle position or something? Um, or? So it's a six, it's six, oh, six hand. Oh, six so it's six hand. So okay, um, yeah. yeah. So, okay. so the board, the flop went check, check, and it was three clubs out there or whatever. I have queen, like, ten offsuit. There's, there's no clubs here. Mm-hmm. The turn's a club. And I bet out. I have about a million to start. I bet out, I think, 150... Thousand, I think there's like two hundred thousand or something in the pots. So about one hundred fifty. Yeah. He clicks it back to like three hundred fifty thousand, and I'm going. You're only do like there's four f- clubs out here now. It's like you're only doing this if you have an ace of clubs or king of clubs. It it just doesn't make sense. You're gonna have a lot more bluffs here. So I have queen high. I have nothing, mm-hmm. and I click it back to ninety percent ninety percent of my stack. I put in nine hundred thousand of my million yep. or whatever. And then he tanks for about three minutes and folds because it just it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. But the math. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the math says to do that too. Because but. if he has an ace or king, you think he might just call behind. It just. Or. Yeah, I mean, he might call, but it's just. Which is the, the, the frequency more... of how much he was through betting okay. was like he's just not going to have a lot. Yeah, he'd probably call, try to trap more. Yeah. And he just likes to kind of take advantage and three bet all the time. Yeah. So it's like I I I don't have anything as a four plus so four, think... but it's like you're trying to rep something way too big. So are you actually thinking that in in terms of. I mean, in a sense, it's hand-ranging, but are you thinking about that in terms of what you said? He's got more bluffs than he's got the big hand. Yeah, because, I don't know, I was always trying to, I've always just tried to focus actually on, like, one or, like, I, I was never here, they can have, like, 20 different possible right. hands. I was like, all right, they're now, like, so, it's when I was, polarized. when I was, yeah, it's polarized. I, I always focus on polarized. Polarized okay. is a huge thing for me. Yep. So, it's like, here, I don't know what he has. I just know he doesn't have one of the two nut hands that's mm-hmm. going to do this with, and I know he can't call. And with the ten of clubs, can he, yeah, right, with some medium club, can he, yeah. can he call, yeah. But actually, I gotta, I gotta come back to this hand, because no, okay. it was really, it, it, there's, I'm messing up the stacks a little bit, because when he re-clicked me back, it was 55% of my stack. Okay. So, here, it, and this, this is a huge difference, because here it's like committing me, 55% of my stack, and if I raise, he's getting 6 to 1 or 7 to right. 1 to call. right. But I was just like, he just doesn't have anything here. It just doesn't make sense. So I clicked it back to 90% of my uh-huh. stack. So it must have been I opened like uh, to like 20% of my stack or okay. whatever. He yep. clicked it back to 55% of my stack. And then I clicked it back to that 35% more to 90% of my stack. Because it's just, I know, I know he can't yeah. call. It just doesn't make sense. So so as a... But yeah. the math here would say he can't fold. He can't fold like anything. If he has any club, he's probably not folding. Or a I two mean, pair or anything. Two pair, he, he can't Fold. He's getting seven. He can only six fold, to one, seven to one. He can only fold a, a, a bluff. He can only fold a, just a flat bluff. Yeah. Right. That's all he can fold. Yeah. Interesting. But you made it play anyway. Yeah, because I just because yes. it it just it, it all the things leading up to this yeah. was like this doesn't make sense. I know this bet can only work. I don't know, maybe ten percent of the time to be profitable. Okay. Now, doing my own studying recently, I know what other people have used by ranges and stuff and know the math a little bit better in that sense. But that was just never the way I learned to begin with. Um, but it was like, in my mind, he can't call. Right. So I, I don't care what the math says, even if the math says he can call. It just, he, he can't. I have so many questions on that hand. So um, so one, one thing, okay, so if he shoves instead of just clicks back for half your stack, does that change? I mean, obviously well, you, can, I can. you can't call. 
No, I mean, could you call it the, Queen High? Probably not. I mean, a Queen Queen High on a four flush board. I mean, yeah, in here, you're, you're he, if he has a pair, he beats me. If he has right. Ace High, he's Ace Queen High, he beats me. So, so, he, so he makes a mistake by, in a sense, by betting that much. I mean, if he shoves, you're probably a little bit, yeah. And then, so then, but then you re-raise for ninety percent of your stack, mm-hmm. and obviously the question that I have, you know, all of us Rex going, well, why didn't you just shove? Is is the idea there? It looks stronger to not do it, or is the idea? I want to save some equity in case he reships. It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit looks stronger to do it and in case he ships, and I was just completely wrong. I guess I'll fold and try yeah. for my one or two big blinds or whatever. Yeah. But it was just, it was it was more of like a mind game kind of thing too, because okay. it's going to look weird to him. Like, what, <laughs> right, what it does. Heck, what the heck does what what can I do against this? Yeah. So. Because I've wondered about that in certain spots where. You know, even if I'm making like a you know bluff with a draw, or it, was bas- it was basically or... it was basically the same as shoving. It is, but it, it really but you saved some equity, and that's where yeah. I'm, I I think about that so a lot. Call tr- off, and he's not gonna put me in for that last little bit unless he has, has it. it. Like yeah. he can't. He, he, he. there's right. there's no possible way he can put in anything that I don't beat or that I have any right. chance against right. for that last little bit. Even though mathematically that'd be such a ridiculously stupid play to fold there. Mm-hmm. The play was that he's just going to fold this turn the majority of the time. I I, I could not see a scenario where he's going to call. It just so the raise size it didn't make sense. How much he's three betting didn't make sense. Yeah. He just in my mind it, it's almost impossible for him to have the two hands that he could possibly do this with. And so if you yeah, if we if you don't mind digging into that further, I mean this this is part of the strategy stuff that we're 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 thinking about. Like mm-hmm. um you know I I talked to these myself and other recreational players that are trying to figure the game out. And it seems like in, in the middle of every hand, there's all this competing information. There's information, whatever it is. It could be stack size. It could be the type of player that might lead you to fold. Mm-hmm. And there's information that might lead you to call. There's information that might lead you to raise. Sure. And it's this balancing act of what what do we give the most weight to? Mm-hmm. And so as you're looking at that, I mean, there, there's probably some elements of that hand situation that would say you should just fold. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's where you are in the tournament, your current stack size, mm-hmm. all of those things. And yeah, because in the re-raise, he's, like, has to be mathematically prone to call. Like right. It, 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 in, in theoretical, I don't know, like, orientation or theoretical thought, that should be the stupidest bluff of all time. Right. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of incentive to, you know, depending on where you're in the tournament, to say, do I really want to risk my tournament here with queen high? Yeah. So, there, you know, there's information or there's situation that would say you should just fold. And then there's information that you've got on their player type. And they're how they played the hand and the raise that say, okay, I should go after this. Mm-hmm. There's this overarching. I don't know. I assume you were in the money at that point, or yeah, this you know, is the final so you're, table. you're deep. You're this deep the, in the money. This is the absolute final table. So, you've so got, I mean, if I'm wrong, that's like a forty thousand dollars. Right. Change. So you've got real money sort of pay jump situations. <laughs> Actually, it'd be, it's like a two hundred thousand. Because I mean, it's three hundred for first. So. <laughs> okay. So yes, yeah, so you've got that. That's saying you know, should just fold because you should get the pay jump. And then they're saying, well, but I want to play to win. So there's you know there's, there's all this competing information. Mm-hmm. And how do you and maybe you know, as a poker player, you'll just say it depends. But you know, mm-hmm. how how do you sort of sure? I mean, just what what wins in those situations where you have all this competing information? My my instinct. Yeah, I, I that's so know. good. But, uh, and, yeah. But again, you can classify instinct as whatever the heck you want. I think it's going to be different for everybody. But somehow your inst- strength is going to be different. That adapts their instinct. Right. I mean, some people their instinct is going to be the math. They're just going to freaking know the math right at the top right. of that. Some people their instinct. My instinct, okay, I'll, I'll share it. I know when people are bluffing. I just yeah. know it. I, I don't know. Is it logical exactly you see how. something they do, or you just you just have I'm intuition? I'm going to say this doesn't make sense. And so, so to me, the, when it doesn't so make sense. So betting patterns. Or, it's going to be betting patterns. It's going to be a lot. But 
that is my absolute strength at this yeah. game. I'm able to call now with like a queen high or jack high because yeah. I know the types of hands that they'll need a bluff in a certain position where they're running this the seven is what eight they have to get draw. Me off. Yeah, okay. Correct. And the ace high can be the same as the queen high. You just have to know what kind of hands they have to bluff. So in a way, that was ranges. Yeah. And I guess I was kind of always doing ranges, but, but I never intuitive. thought of it as ranges. It's intuitive. Yeah. I guess. Okay. So how how would like <laughs> that's so good like so yeah so you, so part of it is you're just your the way that you're wired you can probably pick up on some things. Part of it is all these years of experience. I think it just builds this intuition in you, and your sure. your intuition is tested right or wrong, and it, you're somehow you subconsciously adapt. I will say this right away: experience trumps absolutely everything yeah. in terms of watching the videos and playing the game. I've spent about fifteen thousand hours doing it mm -hmm. now. I mean, uh, on average, three four hours a day for thirteen years. That's how I can like figure it out because I'm always watching videos like before I go to bed or sometime during right. the day. Or now I've changed it more to instructional videos. Mm -hmm. So one it up run it once that that's actually currently that's who you use what i'm looking that's or, what i've just started using for a long time i was always self-taught yeah um i don't know for any particular reason why but i just felt like i could learn more by trying to teach yep. from my own mistakes personally i would i would learn it better mm -hmm. but um i would but recently um i just know what my big my my weakness is versus what my strength is and realized um and um, I'm learning how to bluff better. My strength has always been knowing how to hero call and knowing how to mm -hmm. get very thin value. But when it came mm. to bluffs, I, I knew some of them didn't make sense. And sometimes I was hoping they'd fold and realizing this is not the way to think about that at all. So now I'm learning about more of ranges of what types of hands you're going to have in this particular position to bluff with. Whereas before, it's mostly just instinct of yeah. here, I think they're going to fold. So if you can supplement your instinct with some other mm -hmm. elements, that, that mm -hmm. can only help your instinct, I mm -hmm. suppose, so as you go. So that's why 2015 was awesome. Yeah. It really was. But I know I, 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 I have still areas I can improve in and get better. So that's why I'm just, in my mind, I'm going to always shoot for the stars. Right. Because I've already done, I, I do not think I would be at the point that I am right now. I didn't think it would. It, it would be such a huge part of my life. I think back in, when I was 14, 15, 16, I just really loved it. I had a great mm -hmm. time playing it. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I always dreamed of doing well and stuff and then playing in the main event. And, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. I'm, I don't even play it five times. I mean, it's, it's very special. Um, so you're going to play that every year, the main event? or I mean, if I if I got money. Um, okay. So, I mean... Do you, do you take on, you, don't share this if you don't want to, but do you take on investors or are you self-funded only or do you, do you do anything like that? So, no, I'll share it right now. Um, I've never, I've, I've never pre-sold action for anything I've played. I've always had to do it myself. There's times where I'll be like showing up to a tournament and somebody's like, hey, can I get five, 10% of you or can I okay. buy this little piece of you right now? And then, or can I swap action with you? And it's like, okay. However... Recently, I am starting to realize, um, since I'm in a long-term like relationship yeah. right now, things are getting more serious. Life is getting more so stability complex. is stability more is valued. a lot more important. Right. I might do it for the first time this summer. Yeah. I don't know yet. Sure. And I still have a certain limit where if I'm not over this limit, right. then I will. But if right. I am, I'm not going to. So. Don't call John. Don't text John. Don't tweet John. He'll let you know if this is going to happen. So don't don't start unless you want people to. Uh, no, because no, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't yeah. know what's going to happen right now. But I left myself open for like 
it to possibly happen yeah. for the first time this summer. But for the longest time, um, it was. But again, that goes with. I, I didn't have somebody to support. I didn't have right. to worry yeah. about that. So I could kind of shoot for the stars all the time and see what happens. And if it didn't work out, yeah, I would go through some tough times afterwards, but I'd find a way to build back up. I would right. never take another job or something on the side and then just work on my game more and then yeah. work back up. And that's just what poker's always been to me. It's been up, down, up, down, up, the, down. And you, you've taken the, the variance that exists within a poker tournament and said, I accept that variance in mm-hmm. my life fluctuation mm-hmm. finances, mm-hmm. which is easier to do when you're on your own and you know mm-hmm. you have options or whatever it's mm-hmm. it's a little trickier when you're when you're in something together 100%. and stability is i mean I, you know I've, I've been married for a long time i have kids and i play poker on the side and this sure. will, this will sound hilarious to you i think mm-hmm. uh, but i've had investors the last three years sure where i've had it's treated more like a fund whatever and for me and, and i'm talking about i play 15 to twenty thousand dollars worth of buy-ins a year so it's like a weekend that's fine um, but uh yeah for me what i've found is i can Part of it is you feel more pressure because you have investors, even at that level. But part of it is the freedom of knowing, okay, if I bust this tournament, it's not actually going to come out of our food money, sure. that sort of thing. So I think that's where people have to sort of assess that thing because it's, you know, it's kind of a hassle. And if you have a nice score, you know, for me, I had a you know, $12,000 score and that was awesome. But, you know, then I got I to give up a good chunk of it to my investors, no which is fun. cool. You share that with people. Yeah. But I think it's all like what can – I would think of what makes you feel like you can play at peace sure. without the risk of – one of the players I respect a ton as investors for a very, very long time. Yeah. So, you know what? It, it's just completely yeah. to each their own kind of yeah. thing. And for somebody like you where you could potentially charge a, you know, an additional amount, that does create this a fixed income stream Sure. You know, in addition no. to. And that's possible. Yeah. I think for the longest time, too, I, I'm much more of a heart player. I'm yeah. always going to be feel. I don't know if it's instinct yeah. or the ranges or whatever, but from all the experience, from the 15,000 hours now, or whatever, just lots of scenarios have occurred, so I've gotten a feel for what to do in particular yeah. spots or whatever, and I need to have 100% confidence in myself to just to go for it, and when it's all on right. me, it kind of even more feels like it's stronger, Okay. and I feel like if I ever played for somebody else, I'd be more nervous, um, Right. actually, but um, yeah, this... Maybe this particular part, and that's where you got to be. Yeah, you got to listen. To what's your personality? What's your, what's your situation? And so I, I would love to chat a little bit of strategy mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and this is a, a question I asked Joe, and I'll probably ask a lot of the, the people that I interview. And it's mm-hmm. it's intentionally vague. Okay, it's mm-hmm. you're going to say, well, this is ridiculous. I can't even mm-hmm. answer this question. That, that's the idea. Sure. But what I want to know is what are the what are the first things that come to mind uh, as far as lacking information. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to give you a situation, okay. and it's incredibly vague. Like, what are the first things that come to mind where you say, I can't even, I can't even explore this question until I know this? That's the question that makes people think of where their mind goes first. Right. So, yeah. So, what are your, what's your first reaction to this? So, uh, you're on the button. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't know. I'm not telling you anything else other than um, there, there's a raise in front of you from early position, under the gun raise, mm-hmm. and there's a call, and you're on the button with ace-jack. What do you do? What do you need to know? What's the first thing you need to know? I need to know how often the person is racing under the gun. I need to know the size they're racing. I need to know how much um, how much time it took for them to raise. I need to know the frequency. I know the frequency of the three betting, four betting. Um, I, I and I just you just sit at the table and you just got to feel where all right. Every fifteen minutes they're gonna open a hand here, yeah. Or maybe now they're gonna open three hands in ten minutes or whatever. But yeah, it's just it's just gonna be patterns. 
if it's all of a sudden starting to raise more often, I'll loosen up my range a little bit more. They're not raising as much, I'll tighten it up. Um, so it's really about playing the player. That's where your mind went to yeah. first. Versus, you know, 100%. I mean, versus stack size, versus stage of tournament, yeah. versus... No, stacks, like, and that's why I'll definitely make some quote-unquote mathematical errors or whatever. I've, yeah, I mean, mathematical errors in that sense. Because that's just not where my head goes first. Because you think if he's opening wide, I'm, it's an opportunity to, to three-bet. Um, I mean, in general terms, that's sort of... Sure, but I actually really like playing post-flop, too. I'm not the type of person that goes in three-bet, four-bet, five-bet, whatever, pre-flop. I'm okay. just very comfortable with knowing how hands develop flop, turn, and river to know when they're kind of full of it or when they're actually telling a credible line or whatever. So, like... And then people do it with the range, all right, this is what they're going to bet with these types of hands right now. Right. But I'm just, I, I don't know what it's been exactly, but I'll know pretty quick when somebody's more polarized to certain yeah. hands, and then it's really quick, then you can really figure out very quickly if the story's going to make sense or not based based off this polarization. Okay. And then when it doesn't, then it's all right, king high is good, thank you. Yeah. Uh, unless they had to turn a hand to a bluff because they got counterfeiter. It, I mean, there's so many different scenarios. So interesting. There, so is you know, is, I mean, there, there's some instruction, and maybe this is what you do. I don't know. I'm hearing something different, but there's some instruction that says, all right, somebody raises or whatever pre-flip, some pre-flop action. You put them on some kind of a range, whether you actually call it the hands or not. You put them on some kind of a range, and then as the hand progresses, you're adjusting that range. So ultimately you say, okay, where are we at in the river? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like what I hear you saying is, you're almost like putting the person on a, on a personality range of, you know, how likely are they to make a play? And then as the hand progresses, are they becoming more full of it? Or are they becoming more mm -hmm. legit? Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's a personality range or something. Sure. I, I mean, that's where, when I was playing online, I could kind of tell when somebody was getting frustrated. I was really, really good at telling when somebody was not necessarily tilting, going all out tilt, but I could tell when they were frustrated enough that to their style or their patterns variated very slightly mm. and then you could also take advantage of that right when that pattern variated because there'd been there'd be more mistakes they'd make mm -hmm. and just i'd also make certain plays like i'd love to hero call because then i would know really good how the dynamic of the table changes for one when you hero mm -hmm. call yeah lots of other people are not likely to bluff you that were just right. watching you the entire time they're gonna have a semi bluff if they're gonna bluff you it's not gonna be some stone cold whatever the heck bluff right so you can take that completely out of people's ranges very quickly yeah. and then the person that you just beat bluff you anyways right. i mean it's <laughs> normally there yeah. there are going to be the group of people that are like challenge accepted all right five bet time right i mean the, then they'll just go all out which is also which i actually really love i love that more than i love people that won't play back at me because okay. when i know they're playing back at me i know that right. this is what they're doing and this is why they're doing it so here we go let's have some fun okay <laughs> you mentioned hero calling it's something i've shared in the episode before like i i think i'm addicted to hero calling I think it's a leak in my game because I, I love to hero call because I love <laughs> the rush that comes. It's to me, it's even better than when you you know you run a bluff and you get th get it through. Sure. For me, the hero call is so powerful. But mm -hmm. this is the problem that I have with the podcast is that I pretty much tell everybody how I play all the time. <laughs> and so I was sitting at a it was like a seventy five dollar bounty tournament or something, and there's there's a guy named Alberto. I don't know if you would know him or not, but but he um he made a big bet on the river. You know, I've got like bottom pair or something like that, and I called him, and I was wrong. He he had it. He said the only reason I made that big bet is because I know you love to hear a call from the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, uh -oh. so I'm giving away all my secrets. Well, you're you're being vague enough, but <laughs> there's a risk that I run um, uh, with with doing that. Sure. So when so where does where do things like stack size and some of those things 
filter in. So so the situ the vague situation where it's you know the ace jack on the button and you know whatever happened. And you're looking you know where's this guy? How likely so what, is he to? What I learned was that what I've learned from other people that played much more volume or whatever stack size was always a lot more important. And, yeah, right. Um, I don't know three bet tendencies whatever. I, I was just always a pattern guy. Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll know when the pattern makes sense. I'll know when it doesn't. And that was strictly from experience of playing tons and tons of hands. So in the exact same situation where, let's say, the the original guy that opens is has 100 big blinds and you have 50 versus the other way around. He has 50, you have 100. Is that Honestly, even... that's not going to affect you too much so you're unless saying it's you're, super you're late in a tournament. So you're saying we're both deep stacked. It's fine. Let's just go. Yeah. Let me play my game. If it's, you know, if they have 30 and you have 15 versus they have 15 and you have 30. I mean, so that'd be the weird one, too, where I'd have, like, 15 big blinds, and I would try to just make a play and play back at them. And Two pieces of seven bigs or whatever. And... I've done it. I've done yeah, it before, yeah, and it's yeah. worked. Yeah. Because it, it's just more of a feel. Like, I feel this is going to work, and it's going to look super strong, because mathematically, what the you're hell? You're committing your... You're, you're, you're doing like mathematical you're, suicide kind of a right, thing. you're committing your sack, basically, it seems like. Yeah. But you're not. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I had a fun experience, too, where... Um, I respect Koo a ton. Yeah. I think he's an amazing player. He's yeah. phenomenal. Um, but I had a point to prove for some reason. <laughs> we, we just got in debates. We were rooming together that summer. And we got into a debate of... Of 15? Of 15 you were uh, yeah, during yeah, your run? Okay. Yeah, we were rooming, okay. rooming together. Cool. And we got in a debate of you just cannot win just based off of needing to win. You need to have a range. You need to have like a, a way of getting to the river. You can't just have random cards and then pick a betting line and win. And I was like, all right, challenge accepted. In That's what he was saying. You were disagreeing well, or, or wrestling with it. I mean, there's or, really good spots to bluff and stuff like that. But like, if you just have absolutely nothing, normally it's not very smart to get to a river situation right, okay. or pick some weird line to bet and raise because you're risking a huge portion of your stack. Gotcha. And it might not be a great idea. But I just, I, I don't know. I, I mean... Weird situation happens. I get moved to his table in the 3K. It's a, it's a second day. Okay. Um, uh, it was like three year hands later or whatever. I'm under the gun. I have six, seven of diamonds. Um, I raise under the gun, like min raise or whatever. Folds around to some dude in the... I think it was a big blind. I think it was a big blind. Defense is big blind. Flop is ace, five, deuce. Hmm. Rainbow. Yep. Um. Well, I, I'm first to act, so I see bet. I see bet. I don't know, probably half pot, forty percent of pot. He min raises. He clicks back, and I'm immediately going. Why are you clicking back? If you got an ace, you'll you'll just call, right? I mean, if you have an ace, you're just gonna call. Yeah. Ace five deuce. It, it just it looked bluffy right away. Yeah, super dry board, right? It, it was just it was it was peculiar. Yeah. It was peculiar to me. So I decided to float. So I floated. I just I just called. I just called yep. min raise. Turn is uh, I'd turn a gut shot. So turn was a nine. Uh, just offsuit nine. Yep. I mean there's probably like a different flush draw or something out there, or maybe some rainbow, but it was an irrelevant part of the hand. Yeah. Um and just the way it played out is kind of an irrelevant part of the hand. So I check here because I have to I know what my line is gonna be and I know what my line is right away with this raise on the flop. Even if he did have some weird two pair or something, he's just not going to be able to finish this hand with this type of hand by the line that I'm about to take. So, so can I interrupt you? Yeah. Okay. I, I was worried people lose their train of thought, but I I'll lose I'll lose my question if I So you say I know what my line is. Now regardless of whether he checks back, regardless of whether he bets I mean, based are you thinking off, based based off the way that a min clicked me back? Right. 
I'm almost dead certain he's about to bet this turn. Right, and I'm right. Almost he, dead had, he almost has to, right? He almost has he to. He almost has to. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends on the person. So it might change, but, but for some reason, I just knew this person was just about to bet. So is your line to... I mean, when you're thinking about that, are you actually thinking... My line was a check-raise. My, my line is a check-raise turn, or potentially could have been to call and then lead out the river, but you were saying... I, I got gonna, this line. I was gonna check raise him on the turn because yep. I know that's gonna be the the strongest Strong. looking line I can possibly do. Because here I just float floated his min click back on the flop. Now I'm checking. Now I'm about to check raise him on yep. the turn. And did you what think the of that crap, when, when you called the, the flop bet? You were thinking. Mm-hmm. So you're. I mean, this is your chest coming back in, right? You're you're three steps ahead. Mm-hmm. So you're saying. When when you bet the flop, you didn't really have that line because you don't know what he's going to do. No, I thought like this is a standard. Bet back. You I have a lot C-bet. more aces in my range, and he's yeah. going to have calling out the big blind. Yeah. I'm going to see bet here. So when he min, min raises back, you go. I mean, because at that point you have options. Yeah, of course. You, you can, can fold. fold. <laughs> you can call. You can you could re raise right there. Yeah. You're I thinking. Just, you're just intuitively thinking the most profitable line is to was was the check raise the turn because if I feel if I re thinking now what I would think if I just re raise back on this flop what the hell am I representing? Now? <laughs> right. Why the hell would I even like click back like a set here? That doesn't make any stupid sense, and I'm not going to do it with any type of ace. I mean, I would, hi- I would highly doubt I'd even do it with ace-king. And it'd be stupid to do it with a set. Like, it, right, it's just sure. stupid to, okay. to re-raise back here with almost every possible hand you could possibly And you're going to take away that his That would opera. make sense. Yeah. That would make sense after the, le- the next two cards. And you're out. taking away his opportunity to bluff the turn. Correct. But you want to... Correct, and I want to maximize to get more chips from him that I know he's about to put into this pot. Okay. So I completely went with the line of I don't have a hand, but this is how I'm going to get the max chips here because I know what he's about to do and I know how to counteract it. And so do you... But I didn't know this player. I just moved right. to this table. Right. It was it was a third hand. But something about this just was like, he wants to play a little fun game here. All right, let's play. Because I love people that like to play a little fun game. <laughs> so, I love people that like to play back. And are you logically thinking that? I mean, obviously, as you break it down now, you've, you're logically thinking. Are you logically thinking that? Or is that is has that become such a natural sort of weird situation? This is just a check raise on the turn situation as much as like, you know, three betting or whatever. Is that just I a... I don't know. It doesn't sound logical to me. It just sounds like, uh, for me internally, it was just like, this is the right play. Well, I know logical... what my plan is all the way until the river. Right. Uh, Barring a few types of cards come out that I wouldn't like, well, it sounds like logical another to me. ace on the turn. It sounds something. logical to me from like if I break it down into an EV huh? perspective. Yeah, I know you're not thinking that. I mean, as as a logician, <laughs> it, it sounds logical to me. But for you, that was just you weren't. I mean, it wasn't logic. It was just this is what I'm going to do. But was it like instantaneous? Almost like when they clicked back the min raise. Was it like instantaneous? Like okay, this is a check the turn spot. This is a check the turn spot. Actually, so I think I like had an inkling. Of that, I would probably check raise, but I didn't know I was going to immediately check raise mm-hmm. on the turn. I was just going to kind of see what happened, and I was okay. going to see what his bet sizing was. I was going to see if his bet sizing matched what I thought he would do to continue his line of min raise in this yep. flop, yep. which would try to tell his story, which was bogus. <laughs> but, it, I mean, maybe it wasn't. But even if it wasn't, you just understand that this line is like almost impossible to counteract, even if he has mm-hmm. like a bottom two pair or an ace five even. It's just, eventually, he's just going to run into, like, the most ridiculous thing. And here, we're two, we're the two big stacks in a 3K tournament. <laughs> There's eight tables left. Yeah. And it's just like, holy crap, it's the third hand, and I'm risking, like, 80% of my stack here yeah. in this, this, this spot. But or just continue the spot. I mean, yeah. so now there's, like, 18K or whatever in this pot. Um, I mean, I can 
probably try to figure out the math or whatever. I think it was, I don't know, I think it's like 1,000, 2,000 lines or whatever. So I raised like 4,500 flats, so 9,000, 11, 12,000. 12, I bet out uh, 4,500 or 5,000 or something on the flops, 12,000, 17,000. He min clips it back to 10,000. So that's 15, so that's 27. And I called five, so that's 32. Um, then I check any bets like 19 or 18. And it just felt weird to me. And I feel like he wants like, you to fold. That feels like he wants you to fold. Yeah, and it feels like he wants me to fold. Um, and I uh, at one hundred thirty thousand or one hundred twenty five thousand to start this hand or whatever. Mm. He bets eighteen, and I click it back to forty thousand. Yeah. Um, and I take some time because I know the timing matters too. Because I have to, I have to realize how much time I take is going to uh, be relative to what I'm type, what types of scenarios I'm thinking about. So I'm thinking of all the time of how much time I need to take with each decision as well mm. too. So I click it back or whatever he calls. So let's say if that the 130k stack or whatever. I think I don't know. Uh, so 40, uh, 10, 50, 54.5. So I got like oh, I don't know, like 74. So it's 74, mm -hmm. 74.5, something like that, behind or whatever. Um. Oh, I forgot to say the turn. Yeah, the turn hey, was nine. So turn he, was nine. He called your check raise on the turn. He called call my check raise on the turn, <gasps> and then I'm going. All right, this is interesting, but I still don't think he has set. It, it just doesn't feel like a set. And this is the only the set is like the only hand that can call on the river. However, I can't bet quickly on the river because it's going to look weird for my line too. So so the river comes. It's like another deuce or something. So it's so it's pretty irrelevant card. Um, and I I miss my gut shot obviously. Yep. And now I'm just going to think for a bit. I'm going to think for about three, three and a half, four minutes because it's like, all right, because I have to think about what I want to do if I bet too quickly. It's not going to be smart. Are you actually thinking or are you just... No, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. At this point, I'm going, I know what, what right. amount of time I have to take now yep. to make it yep. credible. To make it credible. So I hmm. think and think, and then I bet like 48,000. So over half the rep we have left. Um. Yeah, over yeah. half of what I have left. And here, I mean, it's like... Third hand, I'm risking. Right. Like I have like a huge stack compared to these tables, and I'm right. just going for it because it just doesn't add up to me. It doesn't make sense or whatever. And he thinks about it for a bit. He thinks. He looks. He thinks. He looks. He thinks. <laughs> um, can't remember. Showed it face up or folded. I think he. Can't. Remember, I think he showed. It is spot. You flop two pair or whatever. Really? And then I flip over my eight seven of diamonds should, or to whatever. To show coup primarily. To show right? coup. To show coup. <laughs> right. Hey coup. This is right. this is how this is what I was talking about. That you can actually do this. You know, I don't advise it to do it all the time. <laughs> right. And I tell them and we, we have this debate. No, it's not something you do a lot either, but you you, you gotta have done. heart sometimes when you have absolutely right. no cards right. and no scenarios. Sometimes you just gotta make up a hand and figure out how to get chips. And this was a place where I found I could get a lot of chips with nothing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Even though it was a ridiculous risk. I mean, <laughs> I don't think, I don't even know if we're in the money at this point yet either. So. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, I was easily going to be able to coast into the money if I didn't play this hand. But it's just like, no, I I always go into a tournament I want to win. Yeah. That's, that's all I think about. And that's definitely going to create my variance of I'm not right. going to cash. I'm not right. going to min cash as much as a lot of people because I'm always trying Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to win, so the stack sizes are not as big of a thing to me because right. I'm always going. Here's the play right now. If I get eliminated, even on the bubble or a little bit you before or whatever, 
I can. It sucks. It sucks, right? And, I mean, right now, I mean, I would love just to get a bunch of in cash. Right, right now, I don't. Um, I mean, not, not, yeah, not, not, I'm okay right yeah, now, but yeah. I, I can't, I can't do what I did like a year ago and I can't do what I did two years right. ago. I don't have any of that amount. I mean, I have amount I basically started 2015 with right now. Okay. So it's like, yeah. all right, back to the square is, one. Because yeah. the variance is huge. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, when you're not playing all the time too, um, you're going to get a little rusty in some areas too. So, right. I mean, I always have a hard time kind of like jumping, turn, turn, and then going back to school. And I mean, grad school is a lot of work. So, yeah, for I mean, sure. Just got to focus on that. But the summer will be better. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be super, super motivated this summer. So I guess it's the time to cool. invest. Yeah. If I do it, it will be <laughs> right. this summer. Right. Well, I would, but, um, asking you about that, like the, the plane to win, I've, I've talked a lot of, I've talked a lot about, on the podcast yeah, before, sort of my my mix of, you know, yeah, in the moneyness versus playing to win, and in that that combination, it's sort of this, you know, it's, it's almost this graphic. Of, so there's two okay. types of players. Yeah, I know players that, but see, again, I'm in the unique scenario where, um, it was never about providing for kids, providing for a family. It's going to yep. change the completely how you think of the game. Yep. There's players I completely respect that do it to provide for their right. family. Right. And they're not going to take the risks then. They're not going yep. to just go with the hard plays of, hey, I'm just going to try to make something out of nothing right, right. here. Because the risk is bigger. Because... Utility what theory. <laughs> yeah. Because what they're... What, where their money has to be allocated right. the to... The downside is... It's more strict. It's right. more, like, concrete. Whereas, mm-hmm. when it was just me, um, I was comfortable going through these ridiculous swings. And I've gone through ridiculous... Right swings throughout my career because it makes me like I mean yeah I want to say it makes me feel alive at the same time I mean it's not the it's it's but it's I have I've always wanted and I, I still do I want to play with the absolute best of the best I, I eventually want to be in the high rollers mm-hmm. rollers. I'm not there yet and I have a lot to learn still but I know I can have that heart to play in those yeah. tournaments because I know what it, what's required at times but at the same time, I know a bunch of those players will sell the majority of their action and swap action. Right. So really, when you think of here, you go. When you think of a hundred thousand buying tournament, most of those people earn for about twenty thousand, right. ten thousand. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's and they're it's free, and they're free rolling basically because if they're selling that markup, they're yeah. they're they're playing there. Yeah. They got they got ten percent of themselves for free. And, yeah. You know. So when you think of a hundred thousand buying tournament, all these people playing it, no, right. it's, it's 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 not they all. Have it's always, putting up, not it's always worried that you know they all just have a piece of each other and there's collusion going on and all that kind of stuff. I always yeah. worry about that kind of stuff too. No, and, and it's it, you have to be you have to be careful with that, of course. I mean, but I I, I mean it's it's lucky now. I'm I'm getting to know people that are starting to do really well. I mean, mm-hmm. I I knew the guy that won the super high roller actually uh, last summer. What was um, his What was the name? I think I Rainer Kemp. Rainer, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Talk, hang out a little bit. That's um, cool. He's on my, I mean, where I met him was actually my little one drop final table. So, okay. I mean, just kind of stay in touch for the year after that, like through Facebook and stuff like that. And Do you guys talk strategy then? Or is it more just no, a relationship? No. Uh, just, just more just friendship. friendship. Okay. I mean, go get drinks and stuff when yeah. we see each other. Because I'm curious about like that. Now, I want to respect your time. We're almost, almost at an hour here. Um, you know, you've got, you've got, you know, buddies that you know and, and people that you room with, Koo, and those sorts of things on the road. Uh, talking strategy, I assume at least as part of that that thing. And um, as I look at, if you can somehow translate that to the recreational, I mean, you're recreational too because you're doing other stuff. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the the smaller stakes recreational player, the guys mm-hmm. that C280 as a big tournament sure. and, and below. You know, what what do you, any any words of advice on how do people like us 
learn the game better. You mentioned videos. You know, there's people that you can talk with. Um, Word of mouth is probably a huge, or like having a group of people that play really well that you respect yeah. and sharing hands and stuff with them is probably really useful. I didn't take advantage of that for a long time because for a long time I was doing online. So I was only, I was strictly, it, until it, 2011, I was learning completely yeah. from myself and my own If you mistakes. have free time, let's play. Let's not yeah. talk. Let's play, right? Kind of thing. Well, it was the <laughs> online too. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know, oh, I didn't know anybody okay. that played in Minnesota. I didn't know anybody whatsoever because at that time too, I was in uh, college at yeah. Luther. So I just play online or whatever on gotcha. a Monday or Sunday afternoon because I was always like, let's get the big buy-in tournaments. I was, that was, uh, that's the excitement. That's your motivation. That's my motivation. Your passion, yeah. That's where my motivation is. But, um, I mean, and then be smart about it too. Like, if I don't have that, okay, then move down and work back mm-hmm. up. But, like, uh, I just, that's, 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 yeah, that is definitely where my passion is. Um, but... Yeah, just connected I mean, with others and. But now in this in the, in the climate that it is right now, having a group of people that knows the game well, yeah. or that you respect, or that not not even necessarily knows the game well right now, mm-hmm. but is like really motivated right. to get better right. and um, is just a good support in that sense is really good. Uh, just having people that support you doing it is really yeah. important, and yeah. I never had that. I I have not. Yeah. The first time my uh, like dad came out to actually like support me in that was actually um 2016 so okay. um before then parents were constantly trying to stop me from right. doing it and I, I get it and i really do yeah. um they come from a different walk of life where they right. learned how to succeed in this world was a much different method yeah. and a less riskier method but at the same time very rigorous i mean you have to right. study a ton you have to work a ton uh, but just the rote memorization was just never going to be my strength i i, I learned this from like college on it's just mm-hmm. not you. this is not me and i'll get stressed and i do even in grad school right now i still get really stressed when it comes to tests where i have yeah. to rope, memorize and regurgitate because it's just not i mean it's not supposed to be fun but it's just not very meaningful to me especially if you're not even going to use it in your profession it's just like here mm-hmm. memorize the stuff and put it on a test so it looks good <laughs> and show that right. you're like learning something even though you're not even going to use it later on and yep. so the motivation to, to do that was always very difficult i mean for being a doctor, of course, you're going to use that information right. later, but the, the concept is the same where it's memorization, right. regurgitation, and yep. that was just tougher for me. But, um, again, with the notes support, too, it, it lended itself to resiliency because mm-hmm. I had to personally motivate myself to bounce back from setbacks. Right. And I had lots of setbacks. I still have setbacks. I, course um, yeah unfortunately it's going through a time right now yeah. of, of, of against you or, yeah yeah, and yeah no i mean last year was my absolute worst year oh ever. is that right okay yeah it was um and that's fine it's just it's just yep. gonna happen you know i mean you know so that going in it's like i mean i don't i don't do a lot of personal investing but i've worked in investments and capital markets hedging and this stuff and the whole idea of a sharp ratio i don't know if you know about that idea where you know it's the whole risk over return relationship yeah. you know and you're choosing to invest or you've chosen to invest sort of as a you know, the small cap international fund where it's going to be like, you know, all over the place, you know, and some people are doing the blue chip thing where, sure. you know, the, the, the expected growth is, yep. is higher in the, yep. in, in your world, but it's going to come with no. the variance. The biggest yeah. things, all I have to keep looking back is how much have I paid in taxes? How much have I paid in living expenses? How much have I paid in traveling expenses? How much have I paid in food? Yeah. How much do I have now? And then I see, oh, no, I've still made a very right. considerable yeah. amount to yeah. what I've lost. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's not going to show up in your bank account sometimes because <laughs> right. you have a bunch of other expenses. That's right. I'm yeah. completely Life taking care happens. of myself right now with yeah. this. And that lends itself to 
Mm-hmm. You gotta be, you gotta be smart. Yeah. So, I mean. So learning the game. Learning. learning the game, you'd say you know get get around some people that you respect or that have the drive or whatever, no more than you, and kind of hash through some of the things you mentioned. A website? Is there any websites you'd recommend? Uh, run up, run up once.com. Run it up did. once. Uh, who who puts that on? They'll go up on. Oh, it is. Okay. Yep. Is that a paid subscription or is that a some free yeah. material out there? Um, I think you might be able to look at it for free. I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, there's one that's a $9.99 per month. There's okay. a pro um, track that I'm using right now. Is like I think it's $90 per month or whatever. But then you see all the pro videos. You see yeah. all their hand histories. You, they talk, and there's a section where you can comment with them and okay. talk back and forth. And it, it's just uh, it's helping me with the yeah. ranges right now because i got to work on bluffing, not not bluff to bluff. I mean, sometimes it does work. Sometimes right. the heart right. does work, but those situations have to be. Those situations are going to be not yeah. as they're not going to be as common. It's not, not a return, really not a return event. Can you run, run something like that, right? No, it just yeah. has to be particular scenarios yeah. that just make sense. And look, luckily, I'm able to find where those scenarios are yeah. a good portion of the time. But I'm also missing out on tons of scenarios where, based on the range here, you can bluff a lot easier. Okay. So that's so what when, I'm personally working on. Okay, so, so last question. Yeah. I think. I, I always say last question, I ask more, but this hopefully will be it. You know, as you think about all of the things there are to know, and obviously you, you know, a lot of it for you is under, reading betting patterns, reading the person. So you've got that. You've got um, stack size. You've got how to play early, middle, late. You've got structure of a tournament, uh, your own hand range, your opponent's hand range, position. I mean, there's a billion things that go into playing Hold'em. Of course. So as, as, you, as you're talking to new players, if you were to say, here's the top three things that you just, you, you need to master. I mean, without these, you're never going to be, you know, a decent player. Or, you know, if you were to really to prioritize, you know, these things, you know, opening ranges all the way through what your opponent has to reading physical tells to, I mean, what, all of the things that go into Texas Hold'em, if you were to say, master these, whatever, one, two, three, four things, you know, what would they be? What would be your 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 uh, suggestions there? Or I mean, conversely, you can think about it in terms of where do you when you see people making mistakes at a table. What are the biggest mistakes you see them making? Which would be another way to say, you know, what are those things that you really need to pay attention to? I mean, just taking unconventional lines. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Again, a lot of how I would play is. From experience, I, I'm the hands-on learn. That's just the way I learn the best. It's the way I see the patterns the best. So I can't particularly say a particular like pattern that would cause them to be worse. I mean, yeah, I mean there's tons of factors. If you're super emotional, you, you're gonna not be that great. Uh, if you're gonna bet something kind of outrageous, um, that's just not going to make sense. You might risk a lot more chips than you need to mm-hmm. in a particular spot to uh, accomplish the exact same task. It's like a two point five bet accomplish the same task as a 5k bet and here you're risking two times more of your stack to okay. accomplish the same thing so understanding where that might be um, an issue um, bluffing the bluff I mean I've been guilty of that that's definitely be careful I mean it it, ne- it doesn't actually really hurt just to start with ABC yeah. this is what the hand I got let's play this hand and just be tighter start off being tighter mm-hmm. just examining seeing where the spots are, seeing where people get out of line more, seeing where people's ranges are a lot bigger. So when the ranges are a lot bigger of certain people, then you can play more hands back against them. Right. Controversially, if the ranges are extremely thin with somebody, that's really fun too, because then you can bluff the crap out of right. them. So it, it's just 
all player dependent. So I sort mean, of sort of learn the game and then build a skill at a time in a sense. Yeah. Well, in, in a way, I mean, yeah. a big thing is never ever get discouraged by results. I mean, right now I should like yeah. 2015 was amazing, and I and I'm very lucky to have that. But I mean, this year was just yeah, like it was rough. Mm-hmm. This year was just rough. Put it that way. And you just can't like yes, and there's places I wish I like work like play better and stuff too, but I mean then there's other times where it's like well crap there's nothing you could do here, but at the right. same time it's like you you got to see where you're constantly learning. You, 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 right. And every single tournament, I guarantee you've made a mistake. Yeah. I guarantee <laughs> right. Phil Ivy has made sure. a mistake at least in getting not missed like missed like ten thousand chips or whatever in yep. this particular pot. Like he could have made a certain yep. amount of chips more. And he he would he would say to himself, I, right. I think there was some video where he said like you can always like learn something or right. I I make a mistake every tournament, but I learn. And the trick is learn, learn when you make the mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes again. So looking at the, I make mistakes a lot. So looking at that money that you spent on the tournament is like that was the cost of this lesson. I better learn from it <laughs> in a sense, um, in a, in, you know, in a way of like say let's take some value out of busting this tournament. Well, so okay. Um, <laughs> The best tournament I've actually played this entire year so far, I mean, I've played like six or something total because I was in Singapore for January and then came for, mm-hmm. for my study abroad course for uh, grad school and then um, came back and, well, maybe it was like 10th, but whatever. It was a satellite or whatever and played it and I was finally super, super happy how I played each hand and was thrilled and I busted mm-hmm. and, I, and no, I felt the best that I've yeah, felt in every single tournament so far. So it's like, I played really well, and I'm really happy. The three big pots that I lost, I was ahead, and I lost. Yeah. And, well, actually, the very last one was ace-king into kings in a spot where there's okay. nothing that could have Standard. ever been done yep. in that spot. Um, and it's just like, nothing I could have done there. But I really, like, I remember leaving that tournament feeling happy. I just lost like, money, I really but well. I was yeah. happy that I was starting to feel like I was getting back into my old groove of being able to play up cool. to the potential I know I can play at. Yep. Yep. So, so not being just results-oriented, being... Yeah, again, you did can, I make you the right can just not so. be results-oriented. If I was results-oriented, yeah. I would have been out of this game a long, long time ago. Because yeah. there's multiple times I've lost lots right. of money. Well, you would have been incredibly arrogant in 2015, and now... You know, oh, yeah, incredibly, totally. you know, intolerable well, in 2016, right? I mean... No, I luckily <laughs> I learned the whole... <laughs> arrogance thing early on <laughs> the, the big one was 2011 like when I get that big online score yeah. and being like yeah I can take on the world like I'm going to go play a 10k tournament that's a live tournament and right. I don't know anything about yeah. live I've never played that high before there's yeah. so many nuances here the the pace of game is so much slower mm-hmm. you got to be patient right I mean I was just stupid okay um, interesting no I mean definitely what calmed me down and um, made me more centered again was uh just grinding cash for a while and it doesn't hurt just to grind cash mm-hmm. and just because cash games are going to learn a ton um i mean tournaments are a little bit different but cash games you're going to see a lot more hands you're going to play them in a lot of different ways you're going to see a lot more different types of scenarios there's going to be a lot less, less standard plays in cash games than there will be in okay. uh, tournaments so to speak but um i was actually so I went through a really tough year last year but i was really happy where my where my mind is again right now it's it's weird. It's just like deja vu right now, two thousand fourteen. Hmm. Like 
right when the MSBT run was starting in the you 2015 when it was really, really rough. Yeah. Cool. So it's like, it's, it's feeling like it's going to be good. I don't know how, and mm-hmm. I'm going to hope. I mean, I'm not expecting anything. Oh, sure. I'm just going to play as best as I possibly can. But you feel like you're on the verge of your A game. And, yes. And that's where I want to be. And breaking through. And yeah. that's where I want to be. And I'm also much more conscientious again now of like where I'm spending money. I have plans already for the summer setup of barring some big score or whatever. My right. turn of bankroll changes again. Right. Um, I know what I'm going to be playing this summer right now. And um, depending on where my bankroll is at that particular time is if I'm going to sell action. Yeah. Right now, I really don't know. Yep. So I'm going to know like mid-April. I think that was the time that I told myself. Until then, no, I'm gonna try to It'd be disciplined. Not, actually, because <laughs> I just I have never done it before, so yeah. I just, it it was not my plan. But I I was not closed off to it this time, so I'm just gonna I'm going to see. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been I mean, I appreciate your time. It's been fun to get to know you a little bit and hear hear some of your story. And uh, I'd love to at some point maybe we we circle back and talk strategy around some specific hands, but. It's just it's so interesting to hear different people's paradigm because I because I think it comes I, from a different walk you know, in the game. I mean, everybody's yeah. everybody. I well, I don't guarantee. I don't know. <laughs> guarantee. I, go ahead. When? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people have have learned in a different manner. Like, yeah. there's not one standard way of learning the game. Somebody or some. I mean, my strength was knowing people's tendencies really mm-hmm. quickly, knowing when they're bluffing a lot easier, and yeah. now still learning the best ways of how. To personally bluff and make it credible. Yeah, I was good at knowing when other people are not credible, um, versus other people like. Um, I mean, stack size was never my super strength until right. I became friends with Koo and then okay. <laughs> started uh, right. getting better at that. I mean, well, it's so interesting because all those things I'm working on. As somebody you know, pretty new to the game and learning the, learning this stuff, it's it, there's sort of this. Maybe it's just me that thinks this, but I have a feeling it's others that think there's a right way to play the game, a right way to approach the game. We just have to get the right book that resonates with us or talk to the right people that resonates with us. And there maybe is, but what's interesting is already just the few conversations I've had, it's significantly different in terms of an overall perspective. And what I sense is it's consistent with your personality and how you're wired. And and that's where it's like uh, maybe the challenge to us is – um, for those of you who are listening, play is, your strengths. What, yeah, what are learn your strengths? Learn what your weaknesses What's are, your so where your weaknesses and your leaks are going to be. Yeah. But learn what your strengths are and where you yeah. can accumulate. How much variance chips. can you handle? How much? Yeah. Uh, what are my strengths? And you know, am I mathematical? Am I psychological? No. Am I? And I will. I'll throw this out there just yeah. really quick too. So since I was the one-two table person online or whatever, I would always say this tournament matters. Like this is an important tournament. And that's probably why I had to play a little bit bigger too, to make it feel like it matters instead of like just multi-table and a ton of tournaments at a time. But also what that does is it variates the math for me more. So when it got shorter, big blind stacks or whatever, I would do a play where I bet 20% of my stack in fold. Cause I knew if there was a shove here, I was beat mm-hmm. and it just didn't feel like I, the standard. Yeah. You can call in it, in it, in mathematically, this would be the standard play of shoving 10 big blinds here or whatever. But I know two spots, the two big tournaments. The only two big tournaments I've won online is I folded pocket jacks pre-flop five-handed, and I folded ace king pre-flop seven-handed, mm, mm-hmm. and I bust both times in fifth and seventh place. And where I am right now probably never occurs. Mm, interesting. The uh, the Sunday million, I yeah. folded ace king pre-flop, and I would have run into ace king and queens. <laughs> the pocket jacks, I run into pocket kings, and both times this this is the huge key. Both times I had between. 10 and 12 big blinds yeah. to start that hand. Interesting. 
because I just knew, you just knew the way you, the you action was going. Yeah. I knew what my perception was of tightness or whatever. And taking the line where it was a raise here in this particular spot, it, I was beat. And that's where you look at, like, you know, sorry, we have to, but you look at GTO or whatever, you know, people study all these different things, you know, game theory optimal and all these different things. Like, okay, well, you know, you have to shove, you have to get in, you have to do this. And as, as I've, as I played more too, with some of the situations I've been in talking to you guys, like, well, there is no standard, you know I mean? Especially when there's all this information that's not, you can't condense into a preflop range chart. You can't condense into no. a GTO shove on the button thing there's just too much no what i'm learning right now is these these when i've like tried to start doing the standard 10 big blind shove or 12 big blind shoves <laughs> i've actually gotten worse they always so happen I'm like, right yeah i'm not i'm like thinking that's not actually yeah. the smartest thing i mean yeah. you can always make arguments because here you're, you're betting 20 percent of your stack and losing right. so it's harder to get back those chips that you just lost but all how i always see this hey you got chips you can still come back right you're still in yep. you still have equity in the tournament versus yeah. if you're playing a ton of tournaments you're always going to go for that 60 percent 50 like even if there was like a flip and I knew I had to call all in, even if I had the pocket pair and yeah. you had the over cards or whatever, and I'd be that mathematical favorite, I don't want that spot. Right. And I don't care if it was like, if I don't, if I only have like 10 or 12 big right. lines or whatever to start this hand, I know it's going to be a flip. You don't want the and variance the, at that spot. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. importance of the survival in the tournament is a lot more important to me than taking right. the 5% advantage or whatever. Yep. In a cash game, you take it all the time. Because a yep. cash game, you keep reloading. Right. In a tournament, it is mathematical. You, yeah. In a tournament, um, the value of being in a tournament is just not as, um, I don't know, I guess this is not it, as uh, appreciated sometimes. Yeah, it's that utility theory piece. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, you can totally play multiple is. tournaments. I think cash, you can say, focus. make more of an expected value on every decision because it's a yeah. linear sort of thing. You, get yeah, more then you, always, you always want nines versus ace kings all <laughs> right. in pre flop yep. if you're yep. playing a cash game. Because you're, all, you're, you're going, going to, to be win. a tough spot to be in that to begin with because it's a cash game. <laughs> Why the heck are <laughs> yeah. you all in with yeah. nines pre flop against <laughs> ace king? Right. But yeah. it, it doesn't. Theoretically, yeah. You, that's what you want then every time. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Let's see any parting words of wisdom for anybody. No, I'm. Sure. I mean, uh, <laughs> best of luck. Keep studying. Don't be discouraged. You're going to go through hard times. 2015 was awesome for me, but it's it's a tougher time right now. Hopefully, it turns around. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But um, just never give up. Ever like, it's just that's awesome. And always just go for what your dreams are. Just always, always shoot for the moon. Yeah. Um, then even if it doesn't get there. At least you're always striving for something and always trying to make it work. That's but, good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Figure out what your dream is. Don't say, oh, John Redding's dream is to win the main event. That's my dream. It might be. But figure out what, I'm you know. I'm sure it's a lot of people's dreams. It is. And I'm not more special than anybody else. Right. But I know that's what I want. It's your dream. But I think for, I for people listening, and figure out what is, sure what is your dream. It. You know, figure out what is your dream and how do you get to achieve your dream and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, aligned with your personality and mm -hmm. good stuff, man. Thanks. Of course. Well, once again, thanks to John Redding for taking the time to sit down with us and giving us uh, his insight. I want to invite you all to uh, follow Rec Poker on Twitter, at Rec Poker. You can also join the Facebook group, Rec Poker. There is a Rec Poker page out on Facebook as well, but uh, I really use the group more, more than anything else, so we're going to get rid of that page. So really look for the Rec Poker group, and uh, share your thoughts and insights out there as well. It's always fun to share. Uh, we are... We are starting a, a virtual book club as well, uh, studying one of Jonathan Little's books. So if you want to be part of that, shoot me an email, stevefredland at gmail.com, or get a hold of me through Twitter or Facebook if you want to be part of that. 
Uh, we're just having people read chapters and submit their uh, submit their thoughts, and then we'll compile those and we'll make those into a Rec Poker podcast sometime probably uh, late summer, early fall by the time that gets released. But we are in the process of doing the book study now. So if you want to be part of that, uh, reach out and do that. Uh, otherwise, thanks to the Free Poker Network and thanks to all of you, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>